0: Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians uh, chapter eight, and uh, we're gonna be, begin reading. The, the key verse is verse seven, but I want us to begin reading in verse one. Of Second Corinthians, uh, chapter eight. Uh, this morning, I wanna I wanna speak to you on uh, the benefits of being a generous person. Generous person. That is so very very important for your happiness. There are people that are longing for happiness this morning, and the Bible tells us how we could be happy. And it all begins by generosity, being a generous person. And I want to read in, in chapter 8 and beginning in verse 1. And the key verse is verse 7. But let's read verse 1. And it says here that Paul the Apostle is uh, writing to the Corinthian church. And he says, and Now, brethren or brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints and they did not do it as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just in verse 7, it says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, In complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, this morning, once again, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. And I pray, oh God, that more and more we could put our trust and confidence in you, that you will raise up a faithful people that will trust you in every area of our lives. And this morning, bless your people. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, once again, I'm going to ask you to give me your undivided attention for the next few moments. And then after I speak, then... We're going to be uh, partaking of communion, so this is a very special morning, and I believe God wants to do something special within our life. so let's minimize any moving around so that uh, we could uh, not disturb anybody, amen? Eight benefits of being a generous person, that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. Here in the scripture that I read, you find the Apostle Paul dealing with the Corinthian church. And one of the things about the Corinthian church, they had faith for a lot of things. But when it came to the area of trusting God in the area of finances, they had a problem in that particular area. And you find that Paul takes a a lot of time in dealing with them concerning having faith in trusting God in that particular area of their lives. And you find that there's a whole chapter that is dedicated to, to that. And here in Second Corinthians and even in First Corinthians, Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church on that particular area because that was the weak area within their spiritual experience with God. And the very same way that The Corinthians had a problem with that. There are many, many people today that have a problem in this area of trusting God in the practical aspects of their lives. They sometimes trust God for great miracles and the supernatural. When it comes to the simple things of life, of practical areas in their life, so many times we fail to put our faith in God and and trust Him in those areas. So I want to bring to you eight benefits of being a generous person. I, I hope and pray that God raises up here in San Diego, and it's happening, a very, very generous church. When I say generous church, I say a giving church. A giving church, a giving congregation. Because if we're a giving congregation then God is going to bless us not only individually, but also God is also going to bless us as a church. The first benefit that I would like to bring out as far as being generous is that giving makes you more like God. You see, giving makes you more like God. The Bible says that God is a giver. Over and over you find in the Bible the generosity of God, that God is a very generous God. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, God gives to all generously, the Bible says, and ungrudgingly. You see that he gives not only to those that are Christians, but he he gives to those that are saved and even to those that are not saved. You, You see what he gives to us? I mean, he's given so much to us that he's given us the Son, he He's given us the, all the things, nature, that we could enjoy. And even above all, that he's even given his son, Jesus Christ. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And if you're going to be like God, then you're going to have to learn to be a giving person. Because God is a giving God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 14, it says, Everything we have has come from you. It says, Lord, and we can only give you what is yours already. That means that everything we have has come from God. And whatever you give to God, it's his already. We're giving something to him that actually belongs to him. Every time... I am generous, I grow more godly. Every time you are generous, you grow more godly. So if you want to be a godly person, if you want to be more like God, then you need to be a generous person because God is a generous God. It should be something automatic. That the closer you get to God, the more generous you become because you... His spirit is living in your life, and you become more like him. And he is a generous God. Then also, the second benefit of giving and being generous is that giving draws me closer to God. The Bible says that your heart is wherever your treasure is. Jesus says where your heart is or where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your money is in an investment, that is where your heart is. If your money is in your house, like many people, they even worship their house, that is where your heart is. If your money is in your career or hobby or anything else, that is where your heart is. The Bible says that money is like a magnet. Wherever we put it, it tends to pull our hearts. When when we give money to God, it's like a magnet. It pulls me or it pulls us closer to God. Now, God doesn't need, really doesn't need your money. What he wants is what it represents. It's not the money that he's after. It's what The money represents, and the money actually represents your heart. The Bible says, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That means that every time I give, it draws me close to God. Giving is what you would call a spiritual aerobics. You know, that's what it really is. It goes for, it goes for the, it, it, it's good for the heart. It enlarges your heart, and it makes you even stronger every time you give. You like to see your kids uh, share their toys, right? How many like to have selfish kids? And there's a tendency that the, the sinful nature is always selfish. And it's something that we have to teach. We have to teach our kids to be generous. We have to teach our kids not to be selfish and to be generous, not to be self-centered, but to be generous. And this is the way God is with us. As we like to see our kids be generous and be giving and not be self-centered, that's the way God is with us. You're not only being drawn closer to God, you're growing more and more like Him every day when you learn the principle of giving. See, giving pleases God because it's an act of worship. It brings God pleasure when you give because being like Him, nobody is more generous than God. The more you give, the more you are like Him because there's no one that's more generous than God because God is a generous God. So when we give, it draws us closer to God. When you're investing within the church, it draws you closer to the church because that's where your heart is. When you give to the things of God, it draws you closer to the things of God because that's where your heart is. So he's really not after your finances. He is after what it represents. He's after your heart. And then also number three, giving also breaks the grip of materialism. We live in a culture that is pretty materialistic. I'm sure that you'll agree with me, right? I mean, very, very materialistic and there's only one antidote to materialists to be a, to, to materialism and that's giving. This is why we need to be balanced. One of the things that I've shared with you is that God wants to prosper you. I mean you could be to one extreme or the other. You could be to an extreme that you're poverty-minded. And that you're all, you, you say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to live in poverty, or I'm going to bless God, and I'm going to, I'm going to bless God by my poverty. I mean, no, you don't, you don't really bless God by your poverty. You see? But then at the same so, you know, in our church, I, we preach on prosperity, don't we? we? We preach that God wants to prosper us and God wants you to have a, a, better, a better house. God wants you to have a good car. I mean, it's beautiful. I get blessed when coming to the parking lot and I see all you guys upgrading in your cars. Or when I hear testimonies of uh, people who have bought good houses and people that are prospering, have a good job, a better job, uh, better finances, right? Uh, we, we praise God for that. We praise God for that. But there's always a danger to go to the other extreme. You see, we could be in one extreme of having a poverty mentality, but then we could also go to the other extreme where we are actually becoming materialistic. And that's when we fail, and that's when we lose out on the blessings of God, because God doesn't want us to be materialistic. God wants to bless us, but God wants us to put him first. And the antidote to materialism is the giving, giving, giving. Materialism is uh, I want to get and I want to get even more. But every time I give, every time we give, we're breaking the grip of materialism within our lives. Because we're saying, Lord, I'm putting you first within my life. The only antidote to materialism is to give. And every time I give, I break the grip of materialism in my life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, you cannot serve God and serve money. I'm going to have to choose what, who I'm going to serve or who's going to be number one within my life. Whenever I give, there's a spiritual victory, and that's why Satan gets so mad, because I'm Putting God as number one within my life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 to 19, it says, It commands those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It commands them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they may take hold of life the true, that is truly life. And those of you that are parents, I'm sure that it is important that you see that your children are able to see you be a giver. I think we need to model it. We need to not only model it with our disciples, but also we need to model it with our children. As your children see you spend money, your children also should see you giving money to the kingdom of God. Then benefit number four is giving strengthens your faith. Always giving will strengthen my faith. Sooner or later, you have to decide, can God be trusted with my finances? That's a decision that all of us have to make. Can he be counted on, can God be counted on to keep his promises? And the Bible has more promises about giving than any other subject in the Bible. God says, if you do this, then I will do that. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 13, it says, Your giving proves the reality of your faith. How many people say that talk is cheap? You say, I got faith. I I love God. You even come here and say, I love God, but yet you don't tithe. I I love God, but yet you don't trust him in that area of giving. See, Corinthians says that it proves the reality of your faith. And in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10, God says, it tells us how we could prove him. I think it was brought out when... We received the tithes and offering this morning that the only way to prove your faith and prove to God that we love him is through tithes. In other words, when he says, prove me, he's saying, check me out, try me. It's the only place in the Bible that that challenge is put to us. God is saying, check me out, try me, and see if I am not a faithful God. Put your faith and trust in me in this particular area and see if I don't come through. He says, I dare you. Tithe, he says. Take the 10% of everything you make. Give it to me and see if I won't care for your needs and bless you. He says, I dare you. And he puts that, that's a test that he puts to us. He says, prove me, saith the Lord of hosts. It's a challenge. It's a test that God gives to us. Giving always strengthens your faith. Give not with regret. It says, the scripture says, give not with regret. In other words, you shouldn't give with regret or you're you're not going to reap the blessing. Give not with regret. It tells us the spirit that we should give. Or out of a sense of duty. We should not do it also out of legalism. It shouldn't be that way that you have to give because you're a member or I have to give because I'm a leader. It shouldn't be like that. It should be something that there's a desire in you, a a spirit of generosity that you want to give because of the love that you have for God. See, we need to give gladly. God is able to make make it up to you by giving you everything you need, the Bible says, and more, so that there will not only be enough room for you, for your needs, but also plenty left over that you could joyfully also give to others. That's the beautiful part about it. He's saying, when you give, get excited about it. You need to understand that many times in your life, there's going to be times when also God is going to call you to give sacrificially. That's when you come. That's when you're starting to really become a giver. When you just don't give a little bit, but then there are times, like in building, building fun, or when we're building a church, or when there's a need in the church, and there's a challenge. Those are the times that you've got to stretch your faith and, and, and give sacrificially over and above your normal tides it will happen many many times if you're a dedicated christian this is something that you will do and when those times come up you get ready for a miracle you get ready for it because god is about to produce a miracle within your life and god will work a miracle for you as you begin to step out and you begin to take the challenge why should we sacrifice as god's people This. Three reasons why. First of all, I want to give because I want to keep growing. I want to develop spiritual muscles in that particular area. I want to see bigger miracles take place in my life. I want to see him do more in my life. I want to grow. I don't want to coast and be stuck in the past with some commitment that I made years ago. I want to see a a growing process in that particular area take place in my life. As we grow in all these other areas of our spiritual walk and our spiritual life, we should also grow in the area of giving financially. We should exercise those spiritual muscles and develop those spiritual muscles within our lives. And then also, secondly... As your pastor, and as the senior pastor of Victory Outreach, I will never ask you to sacrifice more than I do. As your leader, I will always lead the way. Come on. And I want to tell you something that I think we've been a good role model here in Victory Outreach San Diego. I think Julie and I have been a good role model. Yes. You know, I was, I was, let me tell you this. If there's ever been a church that we have really given and given and given, it's been San Diego. And the reason why we do that, well, we do that also in a sense, some selfish reasons too. You know that. (laughs) God's going to bless us. But at the same time, we also want to model that. We want to model that particular. You ever see when the. That's why whenever I see a, a preacher one of our preachers, and, and the offering goes by, and you just take the offering basket and pass it, and they don't put anything in the offering, man, I, I feel like rebuking them right away. And if they do it a few times, I will rebuke them. The reason why is because we should model, we should practice what we preach. If we preach that, that God is a faithful God, if we preach that... If we give, God will give in return, that God is able to meet our needs, that we need to put our faith in God, then we should practice what we preach. This is why every leader that's in this place, all the cell group leaders, you need to model. If you want your people to be givers, if you want your people to be able to step out by faith and, and be a recipient of God's miracle grace and power, then we need to be able to model that. In the area of giving. So as your pastor and as your leader, I will never ask you to do anything that I will not do myself. Now, there's been a number of people What I've noticed that Julie and I, uh, I'm not going to tell you the amount, but we gave a sizable gift to the church in our building program. We went ahead and made out a check and gave a sizable gift for the building program. And then I heard after that there was someone else. I think they, without even knowing that we gave a sizable gift, someone else gave a sizable gift. And then just recently, someone else gave another sizable gift. And it's becoming contagious. It's becoming contagious. It's something that becomes contagious. As the leaders become givers, then the congregation also becomes givers. And God doesn't want you to just give them a, 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 the, the normal thing, the tithe. The tithe is just the beginning. That's just the starting point is the tithe. Then God says, okay, now you're growing up. I want you to give even more. I want." There are moments and there are times that we need to step out and also give sacrificially. And those are exciting times because those are, those are the times when you're stepping out by faith and saying, God, if you don't come through, then I'm done. <laughs> and sure enough, God always comes through. Yes. And then also, the third reason is because Julie and I have learned that you cannot outgive God. You hear that? You cannot outgive God. So then, giving always strengthens your faith you're not going to strengthen your faith and you're not going to have faith for finances if you don't give the more you give the bigger the faith muscles grow in that particular area we could believe God for salvation we could believe God for healing you may be strong in that particular area of faith in your life but if you want to be strong in the area of finances if you want to be strong in the area when it comes to money then we need to strengthen, we need to exercise those faith muscles within our lives. And then we begin to grow. And then number five, giving is a test of our maturity. You hear that? One of the ways that he will test your maturity is through finances. Why through finances? Because we spend so much of our time making money, Saving money, spending money, thinking about money, using money, investing money. We build our whole life around it. So he wants us to be mature Christians, and he wants us to trust him in that particular area. He wants us to trust him in the good times and also in the bad times. In other words, there's three words. That have to deal with maturity, and that's stability, being stable. That's uh, dependability, being dependable, that God could depend upon you. And then also consistency. See, a mature congregation is consistent in every area of their lives. They're consistent in their attendance to church. Because they make commitments and they say, I'm going to be faithful to church. There's faithfulness in their lives, so they're consistent in their attendance to church. They're, they're consistent also when it comes to finances, to giving. They give in the good times and they give in the bad times. They're not fair-weather Christians, but they're consistent within their tides. This is when they come with their envelopes and, and it doesn't matter whether they've had a good week or, or they had a bad week. It doesn't matter if they're up or if they're down. It doesn't matter how they feel. They're consistent. They are faithful in that particular area of giving to God what belongs to God. An, inconsistent, uh, an immature immature congregation is a congregation that you always have to be motivating I always have to try to uh, motivate them to give, constantly motivate them to give. This is not necessary for a mature congregation. A mature congregation, you don't have to motivate them. You don't have to tell them stories. You don't have to repeat over and over the blessings of God. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SunnyArgonzoni.org. They're mature. They're consistent. They're faithful. They're stable. They come already with their tides, They're ready to worship the Lord in that particular area of their giving because they have learned generosity within their lives. So giving is always a test of our maturity. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus says, if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus said, if I'm not faithful with my money, if you're not faithful with your money on earth, God is not going to trust you with greater spiritual responsibilities in heaven. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about hell. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven. Over half of the parables in the Bible have to do with money management. This is how important it is to God for us to come to that place of maturity and consistency. Say consistency in that particular area of our giving. I wonder how many of you have been consistent this morning. I wonder how many of you took your tithing envelope and you really gave your tithes. Or is a a hit and miss type of thing? Maybe you didn't feel good this morning. Or or maybe they didn't preach a good sermon last week. Or maybe a a, a sister hurt you, a brother hurt you. Or maybe the pastor did something, or someone did something, turned you off, so you you hold back on your finances. That's not the way it is. Remember, you're not giving to man. When I give, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even giving to the church. Every time I give, I'm not giving to the church. I'm not giving to men. I'm not giving to an organization. I am giving to God. Yes. I am giving to God. We need to learn that we give to God. And that's part of our worship experience. And number six, we're going to bring it to a close real soon, is also another benefit of being a generous person or giving. Giving is an investment for eternity. In other words, you can't take money with you when you die. You came naked and you go back naked. But i tell you what you could do, you can't take the money with you but you could send it up on a head. I'll say it again. You can't take the money with you. In fact, the people that bury you will make sure you got no money in your pockets. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. But you could send it on ahead. And the way you send it on ahead is the investment, in, in, in investing in people down here, in the investment that you make in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Store up treasures in heaven. He said you could store it up on earth or you could store it up in heaven. In other words, you could use your finances to do good. And it's the only safe investment for eternity. You will be living a fruitful life down here as well as your security in heaven. There is no greater investment than investing in the kingdom of God. That investment is an investment that's protected, it's proven, it pays great dividend, and it has no risk. Giving is an investment for eternity. And then also, this one you're going to like. Number seven. Giving blesses me in return. There's a great Return. You you say, well, that's heaven, man. You know, what about here? Well, not only are you making an investment in heaven, and it's a tremendous return and a heavenly return, but also there's a great return right here. In 1 Kings, we find Elijah, the prophet of God, and there was a famine in the land. And then I, I want us to read it because Elijah asked a woman who was basically down to her last meal. To do something for him. He asked the woman something is a passage that it's good for us to read over and over again in putting God first. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17. Turn with me to that. 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, we're going to begin reading. We should begin reading in verse, verse 7. It's where it begins. But let's begin in, in, in verse 1. So you get the whole story. Are you with me? You still with me? Yeah. Now Elijah the Tishbite, as the Lord, he said, As the Lord God of Israel lives whom I serve, there'll be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the ravine east of Jordan. And you will drink from the brook that I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. And he went to the ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now listen, here's the the story that I want to tell the part of it. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Seraphath of Sidon and stay there. And notice what it says. I have commanded a widow in the place to supply you with food. So he went to Seraphath. And when he came to the town gate, A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar, and I may drink it? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar, a little oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my sons, that we may eat it and die. Now, you talk about a famine. Elijah said to her, notice what he said, don't be afraid. You know why he says that word, don't be afraid? Because what he was going to ask her to do was going to be for her to take a step of faith. A big, big step of faith. And there's always a sense of fear every time you have to take a step of faith. So he says, do not be afraid, right? He said to her, and he says, uh, "He says, uh, where is it at? Verse 15, 13, do not, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what I have. To bring And bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your sons. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the earth. So she went away. How many people at that moment would be rebellious? How many people, especially uh, Victor hey, I ain't going to feel that okey doke, man. <laughs> uh, say what? You know, uh, right? Right? How many people are going to be obedient? Right? But listen to what she did. It says, she went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Notice that? The story tells us this. The story first of all tells us this is the, this is the moral of the story. That the time to give... Is when I'm flat broke. That's when giving really, really begins. Not when you have, but real giving. Faith giving is when you don't have. Real faith giving is when you're flat broke. If I put God first, He'll take care of my needs. I'm going to reap, and also, number three, I am going to reap more than I sow. God blesses those that bless him. Proverbs 22, verse 9 says that generous people will always be blessed. How does God bless me when I put him first? Well, by, first of all, increasing my income. I mean, know that he could work a miracle like that? He could increase your income. By also decreasing my expenses. How do you know that? Uh, it, it could go far. You, you ever have something that you have holes in your pocket? Some people are so cursed that even the, the, more, the more they make, the more they, they're in a hole. It's like a curse upon them. But, but God not only increases your income, but also could decrease your expenses. Somehow, miraculously, he could decrease your expenses. And then there's the protecting and sustaining your possessions. There's also the keeping me healthily strong, keeping you healthily strong so that you will be able to work. God is able to do all these things. Now, let me just give you a word of caution right now, and especially to Victory Outreach San Diego. There's a difference between faith and bargaining with God. You hear that? Difference between faith and bargaining with God. God blesses faith. God does not bless bargaining with him. You know what bargaining is? Faith is when I give to God in advance, sacrificially give to him and put him first. Bargaining is when I say, help me close this deal first. <laughs> when I sell this house or when my ship comes in, when I hit the lotto, <laughs> help me close this deal and then I'll give some of it back to you. So God, if you help me in that, then I'll surely give you. The bigger you give me, the bigger I'll give to you. You want to work out a deal like that with God. But God doesn't bargain. Faith is when you say, God, I'm going to give even though I don't have. I'm going to do it at a personal sacrifice to me, I am going to put you first. See, faith giving is always, always putting God first. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10, <coughs> it says, Give generously and do so without a grudging, grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord will bless you in all your work. And in everything you put your hand to do. I think we need to hear that word again. All. All things in everything that you do, God's blessing will be upon you. I don't know if you have experienced that. Do you know that my wife and I have been experiencing that now for a number of years? That in everything that we do, everything that we've touched it's blessed blessed not only the spiritual blessings but also financial blessings as well you know even coming to this church I want to tell you something about this church let me tell you something about coming to this church coming to this church has been a, a, a financial blessing that has taken place upon this church and I think the reason why is because we've been practicing the principles of, of giving within, within our church when we came into this church, you didn't own the church. Somehow, after two years, we were able to purchase the church, right? We not only purchased the church, we remodeled the church. Look how we remodeled the church, right? And we just got, I'm going to let you in on this. We just got our tax statement. Tax statement, right, Yvette? For, for this church, we paid for this church, I think it was $700 and uh, $750,000 paid for the church. We got a little extra money to work on. So we owe $900,000. Do you know how much the tax statement said that this church was uh, appraised for? Huh? It was appraised for $4,900,000. $4, And usually the tax estimate is a low, low estimate. Isn't it a low estimate tax when they give you the tax? Ex- and then they say, and we know you haven't finished the construction yet. In other words, when you finish the construction, then we're going to come and check it out again. You know, That's without even finishing the construction. That means that since Julie and I have been here, we have made a million dollars a year. Yes. Yes. Wow. I don't say us. I say the church has been a recipient yes. within the last three years of a million dollars a year. Yes. Actually, yeah, million, more than a million dollars a year. How much did I say it was worth? Four point, almost five million dollars. We made more than that. Imagine that. Are we on our way, folks? Yes. You know why? Because this is a group of you that are saying, I'm going I'm to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And this is just the beginning. By faith, we're going on the television. Huh? We're doing things. I mean, we're just stepping out by faith. Doing things that we have never done before, right? That we're stepping out. We're stepping out and trusting and believing God. He's a great God. Now, it's, it's up to you. If you, you say, I, I want to stay in poverty, then stay in poverty. That's the way you want to live. You want to stay in poverty? Stay in poverty. You want to be blessed? Then you need to follow the principles that are within the word of God. And you cannot bargain with God. Don't say, well, I'm too poor to pay my tithes. You don't have that too poor. you want to stay poor if you don't pay your tithes. You take what you have and you give it to God. Put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you those that don't tithe what it means is that they lack confidence in God and they're afraid to trust God they can't trust God to keep his promises it's amazing some trust God for their salvation for their eternity in heaven but they can't trust God when it comes to finances isn't that a shame? What logic is in that? If I, can, if I can trust God for my eternal destiny, don't you think that I could trust God with my finances, my giving? He's the same God! Don't let Satan rob you anymore of the blessings that God wants to give you. And then last of all, Number eight, giving makes you happy. Giving people are happy people. Isn't it nice to give? There's something about when you give, oh, hallelujah, you gain. You walk away, there's there's a fulfillment inside of you because you've done something for somebody or you've done something for the kingdom of God. It makes you feel good. Now, there are two kinds of people in life. Hear me. Two kinds of people in life, and possibly two kinds of people that are here this morning. There's the givers, and there's the takers. You are going to be one or the other. Either you're a giver or you're a taker. You're the one that makes the decision. This is why I'm very careful about depending on the government. Now, we, we're going to, we, we have a little grant that they gave us. And I say, a little grant. And we have a little grant they gave us. They, they were saying, you know, the faith-based ministries, and you know, President Bush has money for this, and they want to help out the faith-based people. So I said, well, man, if anybody's doing the work, we're doing the work. So we told Eleanor, get together a proposal and and put it out there. And then she said, how much did I, you know, La Puente asked for 60000 and they gave him 60000 she, says, so said, $60, <laughs> she said, "Should we asked for 60000 that's for 100000 She says, but La Puente only got sixty. I said, that's La Puente, you asked for 100000 <laughs> <laughs> Sure enough, we were in the office the other day, and the gentleman that's in charge of that came, and, and he says, uh, you got your $100,000. <laughs> on, so, uh... But that's, you know, you're going to have a group, and that's a you know, faith-based thing. that's going to be meeting needs, $100,000, and that's fine. The they guy will take it, but there's never going to be a dependency that Victory Outreach is going to depend on the government to support its ministry. This is decisions that I had to make from the very beginning, and we made this decision when we were really hurting and we were really broke. Where they make a decision, where they say, "Are we going to live by the principle of the Word of God? Are we going to put our trust in God, or are we going to put our trust in man?" And then early in those days, all those programs that put their trust in in the government—they all folded up. But Victory Outreach continues to flourish, and we continue to go forward. So we will. If the government gives us money, we'll take it. But we're not going to depend on that, on that money for our sustain. No, 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 no. Our dependency is always going to be on God. This is why you've got to be careful also with this welfare stuff too. Some people live for the rest of their life on welfare. I and mean, they become experts in getting money, getting welfare. Some folks are experts in getting welfare. I mean, they know how to get the money, man. There's a dependency, dependency on the county, dependency on the government to support them. In the long run, you're the one that's losing out. I'm not not against welfare. If you need to have, you need assistance and you need financial assistance and the county or the government wants to give you financial assistance, that's good for a while. But as you begin to get that financial assistance, as you begin to come to church and and get into the word of God and begin to practice the principles in the word of God, there's going to come a time that you're gonna tell the government, listen, I don't need your money anymore. God is providing for me. God is meeting all of my needs. So what are you gonna be? You're gonna be a a taker or are you gonna be a giver? You see, you you, you make the decision. The takers aren't happy, aren't happy people. Takers are always unhappy people. The givers are happy people. The most happiest people in life are people that are givers. Jesus said, there is more happiness in giving than receiving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, you already excel in faith. He says, Paul is saying, you already excel in faith. You got saved, didn't you? So if you got saved, you excel in faith. You excel in knowledge. You know the word of God. You go to Vecti. Tony Calderon teaches you. You excel in enthusiasm. You come to church. You get excited. You shout real loud. They always say you love everybody. And he says, now... He says, add generosity to your virtues. You. Do you excel? Do you get excited when that envelope passes by? you get excited when you have to pay your tithes? Then he says, I want you to excel in that area also. Now you can either receive what I'm telling you, and I'm not telling you because I want your money. The reason why I'm telling you, and I'm not telling you because if you don't give, we're not gonna make it. No way, I don't depend on you. I don't depend on you. I depend on God. If you, if you, if you shortchange God, God will raise up somebody else. That's the way God works. God's a faithful God. So what are the benefits? Okay, number one, Giving makes you more like God. Number two, giving draws you closer to God. Number three, giving breaks the grip of materialism. Be careful, those of you that are in real estate. Sundays, you shouldn't be out there showing houses. that's you know, a principle. If you get out there Sundays and you can't come to church because you're showing houses on Sunday, then your faith is not in God. You hear me? You hear me loud and clear? Huh? Be careful, be very very careful. The devil very, very tricky. (laughs) (laughs) What do we do? We 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 balance. We we have to balance things. Always put God first. Giving strengthens number four, giving strengthens your faith. Number five, giving is a test of my maturity. Number six. Giving is an investment for eternity. Number seven, giving blesses us always in return. That's the beauty of it. Not only do I make an investment for eternity, but also God blesses our return right here and now. And then also, giving makes happy. That's why I want to see more smiling people here in Victory Outreach. Praise the Lord. Huh? Yeah, Giving makes happy people. Happy people have a big smile. Because you're not a taker. You made a choice. and I'm not going to be a taker. I'm going to be a giver. How many want to be givers this morning? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Woo! Woo, hallelujah. How many want to break that curse of poverty within your life? Then I want you to stand. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.